truly love. Come on, check it out. Seems like yesterday we used to rock the show. I laced the track, you locked the flow. So far from hanging on the block for dough. Notorious, they got to know that. Life ain't always what it seemed to be. Words can't express what you mean to me. Even though you're gone, we still a team. Through your family, I fulfill your dreams. In the future, can't wait to see. If you open up the gates for me, reminisce sometime. The night they took my friend. Try to black it out, but it plays again. When it's real, feeling's hard to conceal. Can't imagine all the pain I feel. Give anything to hear half your breath. I know you're still living your life after death. This is Comics Therapy, episode 77. No reviews, just analysis. I'm Aaron Myers, and my co-host, as always, is Andrea Shockling. Up this week, two comics from March 11th, 2015. Astro City, number 21, and Silver Surfer, number 10. In between segments, listen to another second opinion. And just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. This is Pete Buser from Denver, Colorado, calling for the second opinion. Gotta say, I'm 38 years old, but I've been reading comics since Usagi Ojimbo Number One by Stan Sakai. Although I do remember reading an old issue that had Star Lord from Marvel Comics at some point, and there was these weird sucking aliens. And maybe I have mom issues with not being breastfed as a child. I don't know. Welcome to Comics Therapy. Neither Aaron nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week we're talking about loss and the hurt and sacrifice that comes after everything changes. Nothing lasts forever, and that fucking sucks. Bodies grow old, career paths falter, relationships end. But still, we're here. Gotta get busy living or get busy dying. Oof. All right. I'm ready to get busy with this show to be over then. Well, I warned you it was going to be a bit of a bummer show. Each episode, in between comic segments, you'll hear one listener answering a series of questions, sharing his or her favorite comics, creators, and more. We call it a second opinion. If you'd like to play along at home, you can leave your own response for us to use on a future show. The prompts are on the website, comicstherapy.com, and you can call, Skype, or email your mp3 to us. Remember to read comics responsibly, kids, and always get a second opinion. Current favorite comic is Meanwhile, from Soaring England Press, and that's because finally, Strange Haven by Gary Spencer Milditch is coming back to print, although not for very long, apparently. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter, at Andrea Shock, and Aaron, at Aaron Myers, and the show account is at Comics Therapy. How are you doing? Fantastic so far? Well, I know that everybody's sick again, so we can skip that update. Yeah, that's nothing new. I'm not sick. I mean, I guess maybe that's the the only thing that's strange. It's only a matter of time. It is. And I'm sure you bought some comics, so we can skip over that. Yep, did that too. Cool, okay. And we're both in, like, high anxiety mode for Emerald City, so we can skip that. I would say you more than me. I think we're in high anxiety mode for different reasons. Well, I didn't say that we have to have the same feeling about it, just that, like... Okay. The umbrella under which our feelings reside is anxiety. Sure. Okay, cool. So, that's it. What else is there to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything going on besides that. I've been teaching, and I've been teaching first grade, and I hate it. <laughs> it's a good reminder for why I don't teach anymore. First grade is hard. They're... Yeah, I don't think there's a grade that isn't hard. Oh, oh, there's plenty, as long as they're older. I love teaching older kids. I love high school. I, I hated, love college. I hated, te- I hated teaching high school. Well, but that's why you didn't go into teaching. <laughs> right, I know. But... <laughs> that's one of those things that I, any better. I, I, I used to do like on purpose all the time. Mm. And so I, I stopped doing that more regularly, relatively recently, and... Then plopped down in the middle of it for two weeks and was like, wow, remember this? Nope. No, thank you. Or at least not with the little kids anymore. Yeah, first grade is so different. I mean, at least at middle school or high school there, you can, like, talk to them. They're just animals in first grade. It's not so much that they're animals. I mean, they are. Okay, sure. They're totally animals. And I have a couple of not-safe-for-podcast stories that I could share with you. (laughs) (laughs) But... It always comes back to the fact that that 
it's just, it's a different kind of teaching than I enjoy. I'm a snob. You know that. I know that. I accept that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm good at it, but it's not what I enjoy with the little ones. So, hey, mm. you know, the sacrifices that we must make in order to get a little bit of extra cash for the upcoming trips I'm taking. It's all good. Right. Yeah, that's, those aren't cheap endeavors. No, no, not at all. So I'll be in Seattle, and then I'll be in New York. And thanks, first grade. It's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's all worth it. At the end of the day, it's totally about the cold, hard cash. It's, it's very similar to our relationship, really. Sure. Are you getting money that I'm not aware of? Because I own 51% of that. Yeah, you keep saying that, but... I'm sorry to break it to you. That's not actually the reality. Oh. Mm, I don't know. If I say it long enough, it becomes a reality. <laughs> is that how it works? Awesome. That's how my life has worked so far. <laughs> that's, um, that's actually very positive. That's a, like a much more, I guess, like idealistic Aaron Myers viewpoint than you've been sharing with the internet for the past couple of weeks. Well, I mean, if you look at my life and how you know, terrible it is. It just shows how bad my daily affirmations are. You have a pretty sweet life. You've got an amazing wife and two awesome kids. Who are carriers of plague and disease that I avoid with, at all costs, <laughs> trapped in a trapped in a small box <laughs> 24 hours a day. So, so really, they're all sick again. And you're just isolating yourself with your comics. Have you built like some sort of specialty bag and board system for yourself um that's a good idea yeah i definitely could build long boxes and you know close the door but i don't have enough room anymore for like you know rations and (laughs) you know some sort of waste disposal system and that sort of thing i really didn't think out the uh the panic room well enough wow so (laughs) your survivalist tendencies have been trumped by your Hmm, how do I it put was space this? needs. Well, sure. You're a, a, a you're a collector. I am. Yes. I was gonna say pack With rat. Refined taste. That's probably not fair. No. You wanna know what the hot stuff to collect right now is? Uh no. You wanna do a I'm... collector's corner real quick? No, 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 of course. You like I... it. No. You like it. I'm not gonna like it. I'm gonna make fun of you for it. That's our arrangement. Valiant comics. Oh, because of the movie deal? Yeah. Huh. So, like, old Valiant comics, like, from when yeah. we were kids? Mm-hmm. Unity Zero yep. and all of that shit? Um, not as much those. It's, I mean, kind of, depending. Yes, like, people are kind of grabbing anything that could possibly be turned into a movie or might, you know, show up in the movie. Right. Um, but it's just funny because, you know, the 90s Valiant comics, there's boxes and boxes and boxes of them everywhere because they printed so many of them. Right. And nobody cared until the movie thing came out, um, which I think is great because I like Valiant Comics and I want them to stick around. That's cool. That's cool. I have such Mm -hmm. a clear memory, and we've talked about this before, of going through, like, different print lists of comics pre-internet that you could, like, write away for and order back Mm -hmm. issues and, like... The buzz of trying to get a hold of some of the things that weren't in the, like, the local comic book shop. I mean, I was 12, 13. Yeah. And it was, it was purely a product of, I guess, just, like, ignorant hype. Not, which I, I'm trying to make a distinction between, like, somewhat in the no hype. Hype, hype feeds on Mm -hmm. lack of knowledge, obviously. But, like, when you're a little bit older and a little bit wiser and you have a better grasp of the big picture... Then you can choose to buy into the hype. But when you're just starting to get into comics and you're just starting to do it kind of on your own, getting into the hype of what was popular and what was what was more of a speculator kind of market, I was completely out of my element. But I still, I remember the books. I remember the lists. I remember like, oh, maybe I should try to find this. Yeah, whatever. Fuck, I'm not going to be able to find this anywhere. But the fact that it was all paper-based, like, it still makes me chuckle sometimes. Well, that's that was the problem. Like, people didn't have access to 
you know, print runs to see how much of a certain issue was actually printed. You know, it was, there was nothing to aggregate that data or mm -hmm. to see what other people were buying in different areas because you didn't have the internet. So that's what led to these massive printings and the hype and that, you know, was more based upon variant covers or some sort of perceived scarcity rather than like good stories and, you know, hype around something that actually might be good to read. But the, the so, minute that you print a list of available back issues for for sale, it's already out of date. Like somebody's already bought oh, yeah, stuff yeah. from you. And so this list that's then published in a magazine that I buy on a newsstand and I'm like, hey, maybe I could buy this thing that represents <laughs> a number weeks, if not like months in the past. It, you know, I, I really like the internet. I think that's what, <laughs> I think that's what my point is. Sure. I mean, it worked the, uh, it worked, sometimes it worked in, in people's favors though. Um, like the person who owns the two com like the two bigger comic book stores in town, mm -hmm. he bought action comics number one in one of like the mail away auctions. So he would get the list every month of here's the books that are coming up for auction and you would write down what your bid is. And then at the end of that month, they would call you and tell you what you've won based That's upon what your, your writing bid is. Mm -hmm. So it was listed at $8,000 and he wrote down a bid of $6,000 and no one else put any bids in and the buyer took his bid. Like, you know, they asked him, do you want to take the $6,000 that this guy is offering? And how much is it worth now? Mm, between 900000 and $1.3 million. Okay. I can't remember. You told me once before what it's graded at. It's graded at nine zero. Is it in the store or does he have it in some no, sort of special vault? Yeah, it's stored somewhere okay no it was on display at the art museum on campus i think uh during they had a comic book you know um art show years back but other than that no he has it stored somewhere there have been people like metropolis comics that have come down to to look at it and make offers but he just has it up for a million dollars and then when he says when he retires he'll put it up for auction sure that's that's so. a great story though Buying it no, totally. pre-internet, writing away. And and he had to borrow money from his parents. He like he oh. wrote down the bid, and he didn't have the money for it. He won, <laughs> you know, he won it, so he had to borrow money, 2500 from his parents, and he flew down to Hollywood to pick it up because he didn't want him to ship it. Right, right. Wow. And this was in, like, 1981 or 82 or something like that. Well, obviously, I'm not talking about buying comics that way in 1981 <laughs> or 82, as I was in preschool. But... Still, it's like the closest that I've ever gotten to that, speaking of anxiety, that like awareness <laughs> that this is going on and that like you need to know about it and you need to be a part of it and you need to get your hands on. Like, that's why I said Unity Zero, because I still like, are you kidding? <laughs> I've got a fucking brain like a goldfish. Why on earth would I remember that particular issue? But you know, that was a thing. That was a huge thing that people were trying to get their hands on. And what was that like? 91 or 92? Um, more like 94. Really? It was that much later? Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, Valiant didn't start till 92. Ah, got it. See, I can't even remember that shit. But I can remember the, like, single issue that everybody was talking about. Yeah. And that whole Valiant image crossover was huge, too. Right, right. I mean, those... But there's something kind of fun ab about those days of, like, standing in line for, like, you know, Death of Superman or you know, Batman Nightfall or something like that. I stood that, in line where... for a Cabbage Patch doll. That's all I got. No. No, like one of my first, like, really getting into comics was because of the hype around Death of Superman. Yeah, we've talked about that. And I, I, I'm not immune to it. it. It's still, I don't know. Like, I was aware of it, and I, I own, or I did own. I Honestly, I can't even remember if I sent them up to you or not. Probably two or three uh, issues right because like that's what you did you just bought it right oh sure yeah and so did everybody else and mm -hmm. <laughs> and i i can't even tell you what the story was about and so that's kind mm -hmm. of a bummer when when i think about the stories from then that i still remember that i have an interest in rereading and like we've we've also talked about the fact ad nauseum that i grew up reading Marvel, not DC. So that was an event that I was aware of, but in the same kind of 
isolating way, <laughs> the writing way to these like distributors of comics and back issues is like there was no personal connection for me mm-hmm. to Death of Superman. Whereas I was like super into is Cannonball immortal or not immortal? What's going on there? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's, comics. I had a really fine. good comics I... week, Aaron. So I'm in a like super good comics mood. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> comics are good for good for the soul. I, I, but, it's helped know. me to not pay attention to what everybody is bickering about this week about comics and just I don't know fucking read them, and that that's awesome. I, I recommend people that. People are bickering people about comics? Ah, uh, Aaron, come on. People, mm. you, bicker about comics all the time. I do not. I get drawn into bickering about Sometimes comics. Sometimes you start it. Rarely. Like three times a year. Uh, we just came off of a huge one that was 100% you. Yeah, but that's, that's number one. <laughs> I break the internet three times a year. Oh, like Kim Kardashian? Mm-hmm. Don't ever say that ever again. <laughs> I didn't say it. Oh, did. God. We need to stop and talk about something cleansing now. Well, we could talk about comic books. Okay, let's talk about comics. Second favorite comic currently would have to be The Goon by Eric Powell. They're a dark horse. It's dark and it just keeps getting darker and darker. Our first book this week is Astro City number 21, written by Kurt Busiek and drawn by Brent Eric Anderson. Coloring is by Alex Sinclair, and lettering is by John Rochelle and Jimmy Bentoncourt of Comic Craft. So this is the final issue in an arc that focused on Crackerjack and Coral. Uh, they're coming to the end of their time as heroes in Astro City. They're, they're getting older. It's harder for them, like, physically. And they've been doing it for a long time, like 30 years, right? Crackerjack has been captured because he was attempting to strike a raw deal with some evil scientists in exchange for an alien serum to recapture the strength and agility of his youth. Quarrel and the rest of the honor guard must deal with this fuck up and then the repercussions, both like professionally for the heroes, but also personally, uh, the relationship between Crackerjack and Quarrel is kind of the centerpiece of, has been the centerpiece of this arc and, uh, her decision about how to move forward with that and move forward with continuing to be a hero is uh, really what this is all about. I love Astro City. <laughs> uh, you know, this this book you introduced me to like months and months and months and months ago because of the show. Mm-hmm. And I forget how much I love it. Because I'm almost always one or two issues behind. And you should go back and read like the first 100 issues too. Well, you've told me that before, but like let's let's be clear that that's <laughs> not going to happen anytime soon. So this is just I hate the word authentic when we talk about fiction, but there's something about Astro City that just feels so much more real. Like they just the the heroes in this book have flaws in a way that are so much more tangible than typical superheroes and and so it's just it's so much more appealing because there's a humanity present there that between crackerjack and and coral that is just sometimes it's too real right it's sometimes it's like painful how too real it is but We've talked about that with other books, and that's why we come back to them, because we identify with them, and and it's kind of lovely. Sure. I mean, this this arc in particular is, it's not dealing with superhumans. It's dealing with people, you know, yeah. who have chosen to take up the mantle of heroes. But yeah. the reality of, of that, you know, what what's required to you know, stay in the game in, in that regard... And how, how you have to deal with the reality of getting older and not being able to be who you were. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know that there's nothing there's nothing comicsy about that. That's just the human experience. Sure. It's just it's just kind of wrapped in a uh, in a you know comic sort of um, whatever package motif. motif. Sure. Sure. Motif. We can go with that. That sounds much fancier. <laughs> 
I, I was really struck by the different ways that like Jess and Cracker Jack are kind of handling the awareness slash denial of the transition that they're going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and what putting down the mantle like represents metaphorically and actually. Do you this gets into that whole gender roles thing, but there and there's some stereotyping in that regard, but the difference between Coral and, and Cracker Jack is like, you know, he has his machismo and his and he's sort of he doesn't want to admit that that time has passed and they're not who they were when mm-hmm. they you know, when they first met and Certainly. that they're not as fast as they used to be. And that he, you know, he's refusing to accept that while she is kind of coming to, to terms with it. Do you think that that is presented as gender-based, that difference? I, I, I read that, and often do, that it's a, it's a personality difference. I mean, he is, in his own way, that kind of male character. Right, I mean, he has very stereotypical kind of traits of, like, the macho man. Yeah, but there's more to it, though. It's it's the, like, super vulnerable on the inside, so kind of an asshole on the outside. I mean, she talks <laughs> sure. about that. Because most of this is narrated by Jess, we get a lot of her insight and the allowances that she has made for him over the years. And her acknowledgement that like he's kind of not a great guy and has consistently not been a great guy but that's what she needs there there's a moment where she has the chance to be with somebody who is you know quote unquote nicer and she rejects him because he's too nice because she would then feel obligated to reciprocate and she doesn't have the mental or physical energy for that and mm-hmm. and that is not a typical like gender uh, division in terms of relationship dynamics. Mm, I think you're wrong there. You don't think? You think that a, a woman saying like, nope, I don't have the the time or the effort that I want to put into investing in a relationship. I'm actually okay with this kind of piecemeal thing I have going on over here. I'm not saying... Well, I'm not it's saying, the, like, the gravitating the bad towards bad... No, 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 no. It's not that. In fact, it's deliberately not that. That's what is is kind of thrown at her. Like, oh, look at you. You're just another woman who's going after the bad guy. Like, the bad boy, not bad guy, right? <laughs> uh, but but that's not it. She's, she's very clear in saying that what she is looking for is kind of minimum investment for like maximum return that's her choice Um, yes and at the same time i think it's also her own self-confidence and uh emotional her own emotional guard guardedness right but you know she she recognizes that he doesn't pry into her life Uh uh-huh you know and she's and that affords her that sort of emotional guard that she needs yeah and that's not that's not but, like a common way that women are portrayed um well sure because it's it's <laughs> usually reduced down to like oh well you're just like the bad boys but but really there there's diff- there's different aspects to that but one of those aspects is i'm i'm not emotionally available enough to you know to have somebody who is and okay. you could also i mean there's there's that can this can play out in lots of different ways. You could have the the guy who's always oh you're too nice for me, but it's really because you're, he's too clingy. You know he's too emotionally needy for somebody too. Hmm. Okay. So so you know it's it's definitely more nuanced, but you can you can reduce it down to very you know stereotypical sort of sort of ways. I do I do kind of love that moment where she's like nope it's not just the bad boy thing. The regular sex is awesome, but the fact that I don't have to engage and that there's no expectation for reciprocation, it's just she's making a a choice to be selfish mm-hmm. that I can't personally relate to, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it is something that I, I think it really stuck with me in terms of understanding 
her character motivation. So when we then get to the end and she makes the decision that part of retiring is rehabilitating him, that is a, that's a kind of monumental, you know, come into the fold kind of moment, right? Like she's, she's taking on the responsibility of another person in a way that is more formal than she had done previously. But this is, this is all about, like this story really isn't about loss, it's about growth. Oh, I totally disagree. Mm, I don't know, I think it's about growth for both of them. I don't think like, that yes, you can yes, have it's growth without loss. And I think that you can be bound from loss and there can be some strength, you know, from that and growth can come from it. But holy shit, Aaron, they're giving up everything that they've known and and in more than one way. That that's a huge loss. That's a huge loss right, for both right, of them the end- as partners, as as individuals, their their identity, their physicality, everything about that is gone. And what they're gaining is acceptance of who they are, you know, connection to each other, and kind of that ability to empathize. What does that even mean? Acceptance of who they are. How do they know who they are? They've just lost everything. No, that's different, though. What you do is not who you are. But it is for them. It's all they've allowed themselves to be. (laughs) That's the point. The realization that... Being part of the honor guard or being a, a superhero is not the core of the person. That's the job that they and the mantle that they've taken on. So that's not a loss, though, when that goes away? It It is. A, yes, I'm not saying that there isn't loss in this story, that you can't point out loss. But the growth is is not is not anchoring yourself to to the jobs you've taken. It's anchoring yourself to, to the people you love, to loving yourself, and you know, to accepting that time goes on. Okay. Like that's a that's not something most people are ever get to. Right. Right. And it's not an easy path of acceptance either. Uh, it's not. There were easier options that Jess at least could have taken. Mm-hmm. She's got a fancy suit that she could strap on and uh, just continue holding on to the past, at least as an individual, a little bit longer. Yeah. Uh, they, kept, they both could have kept going until they got killed in, you know, in battle. Right, but, but much sooner, like Cracker Jack has made, he, he has like deviated from that path. Like, mm-hmm. he super fucks up. He, yeah. The minute that he decides to get obsessed with the, the serum is... And that, that that was, like, at the very beginning of this storyline. Like, you sort of know that he's doomed himself then. But he also knew he doomed himself, too. Like, that's that's why he, he has the beacon. You know, that's why he, he knows that this he's on this this kind of crash trajectory you think that he's aware of of what he's about to lose or the potential for what he's about to lose yeah he even says so yeah i don't know it's so hard for me to take the stuff that he says seriously because it's just so many layers of self-preservation and 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 fronting it I don't know. You're right. He does physically have the beacon with him. Absolutely. And and if he if he didn't, that would change everything. He'd be dead. Mm-hmm. But he has built his entire career around letting nobody in, including Quarrel. Like, she doesn't even know his real name. Nobody knows his origin story. He lies all the time. And so part of his loss is the, like that is is a bit, presumably, of that safety net. Like, he has to be the most vulnerable that he has ever been in order to take the beacon in the first place. Yeah. Well, desperate. Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally desperate. And so I think you're right. I think he knows 
that the end is near or knows enough for that like last act of desperation. But I don't think that he is any way as prepared as she is for what's to come next. Like the fact that he didn't die, he's not prepared for like the living part. True, but he's also he she she is. And is that maybe enough? that's I don't know. We don't know. We don't know the rest of that story. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but it's also I you know, for him it's it's doing she's doing now for him what he did for her. You know, re, the rehabilitation. Yeah. And and finding that that kind of inner strength and in which he needs right now to get to the point back to just be a, you know, being a regular person. Like that that gives them purpose. Hmm. So yeah, I don't, I don't know if there's an answer. It's just, it's a lot of, it's very good food for thought. Yeah, which I guess goes back to why this this book is, sort of defies the, the, the superhero stereotype. It, and makes it be much more about just people. Mm-hmm. But this was a rough arc. Yeah. But, yeah. It was good. It was good. Good comics, man. Good comics this week. Yay, comics! Everybody wins! Do you want to talk about another comic? Yeah. Alright, let's do that. As far as past comics that people should look for, I would have to say Strangehaven, once again by Gary Spencer Millage. It is the twistiest, most psychedelic sort of com- comic I've read in a long time. It's something that I would say Alan Moore dreams he wished that he wrote at night. That's all the options I can think of at this time, so I hope you have a good one. Our second book this week is Silver Surfer Number 10, written by Dan Slott and Michael Allred. Coloring is by Laura Allred, and lettering is by VC's Joe Sabino. Silver Surfer is published by Marvel Comics. Okay, so there's a pretty lengthy recap in the book that I'm going to skip half of. You need to know that Silver Surfer is hanging out with Don Greenwood. She's human. She's got purple hair. Everything's fine. Together, the Silver Surfer and Don conquered the cosmic villainy, and Don chose to accompany the Skyrider on his space adventures, right? So they're hanging out in space. The Surfer and Don accidentally crash land on New Haven, a refuge for survivors of planets consumed by Galactus, the Surfer's former master. Don's shock and betrayal at learning of the Surfer's blood-soaked past was of little consequence when Galactus himself appeared in the sky, intending to devour New Haven. The Surfer attempted to stop Galactus, hitting him with a moon... Undaunted, Galactus removed the surfer's space-spanning powers. Now, Galactus descends to the surface of New Haven to feast. Dun-dun-dun! Mm-hmm. I love Marvel recaps. Well, the old-school ones. I mean, I love the, <laughs> the newer, fun ones, too. But, like, there are a lot of throwback things in a festive way that this book does that I really appreciate. Like, it's super mm-hmm. self-aware. And so... That kind of, like, leading us into the action, what's going to happen next? You know, I appreciate that. I see what you guys It is, there. but it's not Deadpool, you know, talking to the... Exactly. It's not... It's self-aware without being... It doesn't break the fourth wall. I mean, that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. Silver Surfer 10. Tell me your thoughts this. about this book. Um, I actually got teared up at one point. Yes. Yes. Uh, this was a great story. Holy shit. <laughs> it is. Because, like that. Silver Surfer is an easy character to overlook in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because he's sort of like the cosmic power that shows up, you know, just to help in the big battle fight. Besides his, his kind of solo comics, which have varying degrees of quality. Um. This, I, this, you know, this is far by far the most kind of fully realized surfer, I think. I've never read a solo Silver Surfer book. I've I'm only surprised. come. A, you, wait, you are or are not surprised? No, I am surprised because the '90s one was was you know went for a pretty long time. 
Yeah. I was, I mean, I read teen books. And so my interactions with him are when he makes special appearances in other titles. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I, it's not like I don't know who he is, but. Sure. Uh, this, though, is, is, it's dripping. I have to be careful about how I say this because you are much more a fan of what I'm about to liken this to than I am. But it's, it's sort of drip, dripping with, like Doctor Who esque companion qualities, except sure, yeah. except which like typically I kind of hate. I really do. It's it's one of my least favorite trends right now, in how do we get a young female character to be part of this story? Oh, let's put her with like the kind of quirky guy who needs somebody to quip with. I mm-hmm. hate it. But Dawn is not helpless. In fact, she's kind of a badass. And part of what is appealing is her realization that she's a badass. Except when she's not. And when she, like, is kind of constantly in peril and he has to rescue her. Like, I like it better when things are more in balance. And so that's kind of what happened these past two issues. Was it, she was like, no, fuck you. You were hanging out with Galactus. Like, you lied to me. Everything about this is is wrong, and I don't even know you. And and she's not afraid to say those things to him. And I think that's really good for him to hear. Like, she challenges him in a way that, right. that I mean, nobody else does. I'd say this this run of, of comics has been sort of, I'd characterize it almost as like the rehabilitation of the Silver Surfer. Mm-hmm. Like, of, of him recapturing his... Even though he's not human, you know, he's he is, basically. You know, he's, it's still that humanity. It's the... it's the, he, You know, he had been... He had been the herald of Galactus for so long that he had forgotten what it meant to be a person. To be an entity outside of the cosmic force. Right. Except that, that he... But he has all that time. He has all that time on Earth. Like why didn't he remember it then? He doesn't have he doesn't have all that time on Earth. Like really, the Silver Surfer, as a character, you know his his time was spent for millennia finding dead worlds that sure. Galactus could consume, so people didn't get consumed by Galactus. Oh, for real? That's an important but, distinction that we haven't like hasn't been made. It, here. it didn't always go. He wasn't always able to, and civilizations would get consumed. And for a long time, it, it, it wasn't that. It was just he would go out and find worlds. But then, he, you know, as an effort to save, to, to stop what happened to his home world, hmm. he would try to find dead worlds. Was for... his home world eaten? Yes. Wait, so like the whole point of becoming uh, a herald oh, for Galactus to, was for I have to go check. I don't remember if I, his Aaron, world this was... is really fucking important. There's a big, big... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, I know he... he I. He sacrificed himself to Obviously. save his world, but I don't remember if Galactus still consumed the How world could not. you not? That is a vital, vital piece of his character, whether he was actually successful in saving his world or not. And so relevant to what happens in this issue where, like, they all have a Spartacus moment to save the planet. Yeah, but you don't know. What, what do you mean, I don't know? You don't know if his world was consumed either. I'm assuming that it was. Mm. Now, because you told me. No, we'll figure it out. I mean, before you said that, I thought that he had saved it. But, like, now that you were like, nope, his world was dead too. I don't know what to believe, Aaron. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Wait, which? Which are you pretty sure? He saved his homeworld. <laughs> the Silver Surfer is a humanoid with metallic skin who can travel space with Did the aid of his surfboard like that. Originally a young astronomer oh, named Norrin Rad on the planet Zenla, he saved his homeworld from the planet devourer Galactus by serving as his herald. I knew that. I think I'm going to have to consult somebody outside of you. That's Wikipedia. Wikipedia's never wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Back to this particular issue and, I don't know, loss. Because tearing up? Yeah. Hell yeah. Absolutely. This is... I hope... I hope this isn't the end. Big, like, big picture-wise, is this book scheduled to end anytime soon? Or are we wrapping up this story? Uh, I don't know what 
happens post Secret Wars. Oh God, I forgot about. I don't know. That. I mean, I'm sure there will be a Silver Silver Surfer. I don't know if this story continues. Okay, got it. Yeah. Uh, because, I haven't seen the solicitations. Because Don offers herself in the same way mm-hmm. to save the rest of New Haven, and and so now she's she has gone through that 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 change of of being willing to sacrifice yourself for others even though she survives Mm -hmm. that that's going to change everything that's going to change everything between them and that's going to change everything for her moving forward and so it was it was um it was very sad it is but it goes back to growth Man, I... Okay, tell me. Tell me why it goes back to growth. Because she she had left, led such a kind of a sheltered life. <sighs> okay. And part of this their journeys together is her seeing, seeing the bigger picture and, and discovering how, you know, that selflessness, you know, that, that willing to give up and sacrifice, that, you know, that's what makes the hero. So? It's not that the hero is just the stronger you know, and better fighter. It's that the hero is willing to sacrifice for the greater good. Right. And then, and then, and then you lose it. Or you don't, or because, you know, in terms of, of these comics, because you are on the side of, side of right, you know, right is conquers. Hmm. I thought it was love conquers. Well, love is on the side of right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's, it's, she understood why he would make that sacrifice, why he would become the herald to save his people. Mm-hmm. And she couldn't let the people of this planet perish. And and she realized that she's the only one that could take up that mantle that Galactus would care Except about. It was an empty gesture at the end. It didn't... But she, but she didn't know that. I, I know. I know. But, like, in hindsight... That's the worst kind of loss. It's it's sacrifice for nothing. Nothing. No, it's not sacrifice for nothing. She 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 bought the people of the world enough time to to you know escape. So it wasn't without that sacrifice, the world would have been consumed and the people would have perished. So what what now? How does she or how do they recover from that? I think she, she can understand now his sacrifice and what he did, you know, in order to save other untold, you know, as many people, as many planets that lost their lives, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the people and the civilizations that were destroyed, how many were saved because of his actions. Okay, but, but I mean, what happens to them, to the two of them? What happens to their future together because of that act? I don't know because of that act. I think because of her growth, maybe. I, you know, if you want you me just to speculate, the, you just tied the two together. Like you're, but, you've been tying loss and growth together from the very beginning. Well, so, maybe maybe growth also is with loss in terms of relationships. You know, they're not necessarily they're companions, but they're not necessarily they're not lovers. You know, there's not it's not a relationship in sort of like the human sense of coupling up. Uh, it could be though. It could be. It was many of the futures that he saw for them. Mm-hmm. And he, I mean, God, he says, I love you in this issue. That's a really huge moment. Mm-hmm. So, so I, again, I'm going to ask that, you, like, is that, that now lost? Is is the potential for all of so. those futures of them together? Is that now, is that, is that now over? No, I think if anything, it's it's more possible because they are quote unquote more e- e- on equal footing. I think so. She she understands who he is, what he's had to go through, and he understands more what it is to be alive and to and to have that humanity. Okay. You know, as opposed to kind of living in in this sort of state of just seeking out the next world so others you know it becomes so such a pattern that you almost forget the purpose mm-hmm. you know after after untold millennia too of that mm-hmm. yeah um, it certainly 
like the Doctor Who-esque companion relationship, it's breaking the pattern. It's it's being challenged uh, to like push outside of what you're accustomed to doing, and even being an all-powerful, godlike creature, you you get stuck in a rut. It's true. So she just like Galactus. Yeah, what a bummer. <laughs> uh, so another she day, like forces him to like stop and smell the roses. Yeah, ish. I mean, if anything, I think the tragic character is kind of Galactus in these stories. Are you kidding? But he has no choice. He hungers. He can, you know, all he does is consume. Maybe I would be more sympathetic if I had gotten to know Galactus more. You know, maybe there needs to be like a Galactus solo series where we get to hear all of his just in, the documentary inner turmoil. Like well, a young Galactus, you know, in celestial school. I had a newfound appreciation for the the hurt and loss and pain of Thanos after that solo series that everybody else hated. Sure. Sure. It's sort of like a <laughs> my friend Dahmer kind of thing. <laughs> oh God. I mean a little bit. A little bit you're you Sure. You you get like a little insight into the fact that not everybody is born a monster. Not but every monster I've... is born a monster, I guess is a better way of putting it. Sort of, yeah. I mean I guess so. I mean, Galact- I kind of joke about Galactus being the tragic figure because part of what Galactus is is just this cosmic force that he is the embodiment of loss. Like, the, in order to have renewal and the universe to kind of create new, there must be, worlds must be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so he is the force of that destruction so things can grow and, and be reborn. There you go with this loss and growth thing. It's just just the cycle. Maybe I'm just stuck on the loss half of the cycle for a while, like always. And I'll let you know when I get to the growth part and we can talk about it then. I hope you can grow to the point where we can talk about growth. (laughs) Mostly I'm just very affected by any of this kind of bigger who am I after relationship shit. Gee, I wonder why. But it's just like one of those things that it's hard to it's hard to separate out the sacrifice, like the feelings of sacrifice and the feelings of of identity that are tied into that and then look forward at opportunity. And I, th- I think that that's what you mean, right? You mean growth as opportunity. You mean positive change that can come from loss. But I think that any of these characters that we've looked at I mean, that's kind of Cracker Jack's issue, is that he's not able to see the potential opportunity for growth. And I think that's what had held Dawn back for much of her life, is that it was safer and easier to keep doing the same thing, so there's no need to, like, lose that. There's no need to step away from the comfort because of the potential opportunity through change and growth. And that's, it's like, a hard thing for a lot of people. For a long time, for millennia, that was the problem with Norrin, too, until he rebelled against Galactus. Okay. Right. Sure. It was easier for him, like, he had he had made that promise, that sacrifice, and just to go day by day and continue along with it until, you know, it took centuries until he says, no more. Right. We're not all afforded that sort of timeline. <laughs> yeah, I don't have centuries. I, I don't know about you. <laughs> Step it up. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, um, I'm starting a new podcast with someone else. I, I'm done with this. I've grown beyond the point of of needing you. That was a pretty significant leap in another direction. <laughs> I'm not no. sure that I buy it. You know what? I don't accept this. I don't accept this loss. I don't accept <laughs> this potential opportunity for growth. Not accept. I mean, I guess in some ways, not accepting you know opportunities for growth maybe works in your favor. <laughs> Oh, Aaron, sometimes I wonder if we're talking about comics or not. Yeah, that's the great mystery, isn't it? <laughs> Yay. Good. Good job. That's uh, a wrap. Yeah. Good comics this week. Good comics that make us think. That's sort of the point. Mm-hmm. Aww. Do we owe thanks for, for this week's topic? 
We do. We do. We should thank James Kaplan for suggesting this week's topic, although we took it and ran with it as we are wont to do. Uh, but the idea of talking about loss and the result of loss was his. So if you want, if anyone else wants to email us or get a hold of us and suggest topics, I'm willing to hear them. We might not use them, but please send them in. <laughs> we might not use them. Sometimes we make shit up. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. <laughs> but this was good timing because I was a slacker this week. Blame first grade. Mm-hmm. I guess next week will be just as bad. Yep, and then after that is Emerald City, and after that I'm in New York. So basically what I'm saying is we're doomed. Yep. Well, I'll miss you. Yeah. Good call. Till next week. Don't forget to subscribe to your comics at your local comic shop or check them out digitally. Everything that you need to know about us and the show is on the website comicstherapy.com. And we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Decay!